So before we get started, what? Yeah, I told y'all this was probably going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, really felt like it would be best uh, to dedicate this episode to a certain group of people who, you know, really championed their cause uh, for a long time and, and done it with excellence. And, you know, they just um, hit a season, you know, where they just went through uh, problem after problem. And it just, you know, they fought hard. But I, I feel like ultimately they they really just kind of succumbed to all their different situations. It just held them down. And, um, man, I just, uh, work with me. I, I, I just got to get through this. Um, I just, I really felt to give honor where honor was due. So, uh, this, this episode is dedicated to the Golden State Warriors, um, and, and their lack of ability to stay healthy, you know, just RIP, uh, with injuries. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, just chin up, guys. Head up, uh, you know. Uh, and also, hey, shots to Toronto for getting that chip. <laughs> Way to go, gents. I, I believed in you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I'm, I'm really a fun guy. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, you know, praying for Clay, praying for KD, praying for Kevin um, and anybody else who, who had God knows what issue uh, on that team. Uh, but if I can be perfectly honest with you. I believed that Toronto was going to take him anyway. Yeah, I said it. Uh, fight me. So there's that. Uh, but, you know, uh, nonetheless, uh, one of the best finals I've seen in a minute and got me kind of amped and ready to go ahead and do this show. So, ladies and gents, without further ado, let's get it, man. Let's go. going on guys it is the uh let's get a podcast i'm jordan glad to see you here this evening uh welcome fb live always an honor and a pleasure uh to have the company of people whether you're 10 or a thousand miles away um always glad to have people uh on here so that we can have excellent conversations uh first things first um wanted to uh give shout outs to everyone who has subscribed Please continue to do that on whatever major podcast platform you have, uh, be that Apple, Spotify, Google. I, I got no idea what they got, but if you have it, please go ahead and uh, do that. Also, uh, don't forget, we're still running the contest. I will give details this weekend on the less, for, uh, excuse me, for F you. That's what we say here. Um, but it's part of Forgiveness University, so it's cool. Uh, yeah, but the Forgiveness University uh, F you contest. Uh, remember, rules are very simple. Number one, send me a screenshot of your subscription, um, because if not, you know, unfortunately, you just can't trust people in this world sometimes. Not my fault. That's yours. Uh, but secondly, also, uh, give me a creative vid or some type of uh, meme that addresses forgiveness um, in a very petty, petty way. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry would, wouldn't mind forgiving 
Under Armour for that one year that they made those dad shoes that you cut grass in. It looked real dope doing that, but probably not on a quarter and you feel like sales. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so you can do that until probably Saturday, and then I will uh, go ahead and talk about the rules and regs for anybody who makes the finals. Um, but yeah, just be creative and have fun because that's really what it's all about. I know forgiveness is a real touchy subject. It's real intense. So I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun with it. Um, other than that, also don't forget prayer requests, praise reports. Um, I'm always a huge fan of sharing with you guys. I got a few people that are really good with doing that with me now. Uh, feel free to send yours to uh, the email inspired1usa. Again, that's inspired, the number one USA uh, at gmail.com uh, so without further ado we're going to get it people we're diving right in we're continuing with forgiveness university uh fu for short and tonight we're going to be looking at forgiveness um and the title will be philosophy on forgiveness approaching the most unforgiving moments in faith again uh philosophy on forgiveness and approaching the most unforgiving moments in faith and so I just wanted to start with something that's probably very menial and very petty, but I don't know if you guys have had a chance to take a look on social media, uh, seen anything specifically, um, but there's a basketball player out there. Uh, some of you guys have probably heard of him. His name is Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson, uh, he plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's uh, one of the most noted players in the NBA at the moment, but it's not quite for his basketball skills. As a matter of fact, I don't know how he's in the league. I ain't nobody, but still. Anyway, um, yeah, Tristan is also the, or was also the significant other of one of the Kardashians. I can't remember which one, Chloe, whoever it is. Um, and uh, they uh, have been in a relationship, Chloe's boo. Thank you, Bridget Crowder is on here. She just, uh, she helped me out. Um, are they, I don't even know if they're still together and really it doesn't matter. Um, but the bottom line was uh, they were together um, and they had, uh, had, um, consummated they weren't married but it was consummating and ended up becoming with child and that child in the process of it being born it was discovered that apparently Tristan wasn't really holding up his end of the bargain on the relationship piece uh he was saying no to Chloe uh in the area of commitment and it got found out and not only that but on top of that it was with Chloe's bestie like talking about BFFs that's that's a that's a good forgiveness project right there because I'm pretty sure she had to do that. I'm pretty sure she's still working on that. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know her like that. But the bottom line was he cheated and he obviously got caught because that's what happens when you're an NBA player um, and everybody wants to know all about your business. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, for a second, I kind of I didn't feel bad for him, but I did feel like he still kind of deserved some type of forgiveness. You know, people catch bad raps all the time. Maybe it was an accident. Um I don't know because I didn't bother looking into the story. Uh, and I was wondering if he really deserved a little bit of flack at least. And I would have been good with that prior to this pick that I just saw. Um, I don't know if it was a couple of days ago or whatever the case may be. But if you take a look at it, it's a, it's funny. There's a, a movement going around right now that um, has manifested in a song by the dude Charlamagne the God and Lil Duval. Um, and it basically says black men don't cheat which I think is dope. Honestly, uh, honestly I, I think it's one of the better things that I've heard uh, recently from anybody in that kind of, in, in, in that realm, you know? Uh, but yeah, black men don't cheat. So I'm all about that, obviously, um, until I see this picture. 
And it's a picture of Tristan with his homeboy J.R. Smith. Shout out to anybody who uh, knows about J.R. That, that man is he's savage. He literally single-handedly destroyed uh, his team's hopes of getting a championship last year. That's another forgive you moment or right there. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's in this picture, and he's wearing this T-shirt that says black men don't cheat. And I'm just like, bruh. What are you doing with your life uh, to have the audacity, you know what I'm saying, to be in that type of situation and have the audacity to wear that shirt? I mean, maybe you're trying to support the cause. That's one thing. That's cool. You can say that you support the cause. Um, but it's almost like, you know, in them old English books you used to have back in high school, like the Scarlet Letter, Chick Hester Prynne, you know, um, except it's, it's, a, it's an inverted version of that. I don't know. Like, you know, instead of having the A for adultery, uh, you're trying to be like, no, thou shalt not be an adulterer, but you the one out here who's clearly in violation. My guy, come on. So, you know, I don't want to harp on that too long. Um, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. I'm, I'm all about that. And I'm pretty sure there's other people out there who know that they have done 10 times worse and have no reason to say anything about it. But, you know, when I was looking at it, I just, I kind of got a, a hankering in my heart. You know, it, it was tugging at me um, because... It made me think, you know, as a believer, um, am I looking at this? Am I processing this properly? Uh, and the main reason is is because I don't know. I got I got a few notes. Um, this is my, this was my thought. Christians, you know, or people don't have to be Christians, uh, not correctly seeking forgiveness, and uh, hashtag backlash. Um, other people who don't know how to give forgiveness. Um, when it's none of their business. How about that? So, yeah, again, Christians are people, you know, not correctly seeking forgiveness and then backlash from other people who don't know um, how to give it, especially, though, even when it's none of their business. Like, I think it's real interesting. Um, and I put it this way. It is none of their business. You can have an opinion, but if you are forever inserting your opinion um, and you're not directly involved that you can also have another thing, and that is several seats. Uh, because what he did was obviously dumb. And yeah, like I said, he is in the limelight, which gives him national attention. Um, and at the end of the day, he's got to live with his mistake, just like everybody's got to live with their mistakes. But we are not the ones to subject him to any type of judgment. God is judge. I mean, this is my bottom line in this. And, and the only person he really needs to be dealing with in that is the person whom he wronged. And also, eventually, he's got to explain to his kid, you know, why him and mama potentially ain't together no more. You know, I was just, I don't know, it's my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I really think it was dumb that he had the audacity to wear that shirt. That's all I got. Moving on. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, what brought on this, this whole understanding of philosophy and forgiveness. Um, and it's something that hits really close to home, um, just in the sense of being a Christian, in the sense of being a black man, uh, in the sense of, you know, just really wanting to progress um, in Christ and being able to do a lot of things that we haven't been able to do or we weren't able to do 40, 50, 60 years ago. Um, and then feeling like things just kind of take a step back. There's a movie that's getting ready to come out um, in probably well, next week next Monday and also next Wednesday. Uh, and I'm really excited. I will definitely be there to see it opening night. Um, and I invite anybody who is a moviegoer or somebody who really just likes to see uh, good work uh, to go check it out as well. It's a movie called uh, uh, Emmanuel, the Emmanuel movie. 
And basically, this movie is um, it's a documentary. It is produced by a lot of major names. Um, the big one, uh, Steph Curry is one of them. Um, Mariska Hargitay is another one. I'm trying to remember everybody. Uh, the the actual uh, producer producer is a dude named Brian Ivy, uh, who's actually a Christian, awesome guy. Um, I'm missing one more person. What is her name? Dag on it, son. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. Uh, How to get away with murder? That girl. That lady. Wh- whoever it is. Somebody help me out. Uh, Facebook Live. You're not doing your job, but I love you. Uh, but yeah. So these individuals have come together, and what they wanted to do was they wanted to to follow up on the events that happened on June 17th, uh, 2015, when a, best way to say it, deranged young uh, Caucasian male walked into a very historically significant um, African-American church uh, and sat there in the middle of a Bible study. And at the end of that Bible study, uh, proceeded to open fire. Viola Davis, thank you, Eric Castaño. He answered my question for me. I got nothing for you, but a lot of appreciation, brother. Uh, but yeah, he opened fire and ended up killing nine people um, and was so deranged in his thought process that he intentionally left people alive so that they could tell what was supposed to be his story. Um, and, you know, not to go into too many details, but he was expecting to die. Um, and so he made sure that he explained to them, number one, uh, that he was a white supremacist. And that he really was just doing everything he could to stop them from continuing to advance. Because apparently, um, and he didn't take a look at the stats at the time and and what they still are right now, uh, we, African-American black people, uh, are taking over. And I don't know if he meant that from a number standpoint, uh, because that really ain't the case. We are definitely still very much a minority. If you pay enough attention, you know, in the next 15 years, uh, the majority in the United States of America is supposed to be Hispanic. So, you know, have that conversation. But yeah, he, um, then he also said, uh, you know, that he, he admitted that he thought he was going to die because he just knew that when he finished doing what he was doing, uh, the police officers were going to be out there. He was going to come outside and it was going to be this blaze of glory gunfight. Um, and then he would be done, but nobody was there. And so he didn't know what else to do. So he ends up taking off. And 14 hours later, thank God, he ends up being caught. Um, And then he ends up having to stand trial uh, in his arraignment. Uh, And in the process, what happens is the families of the nine people that he killed, they are there. And what happens, I don't know, it's just, I I really can't explain it. Sometimes it really brings tears to my eyes. Um, But the bottom line is this, It it was definitely a supernatural impressing on the families of the people uh, that led up to arguably one of the most miraculous events that has probably occurred in decades. Uh, and to be honest with you, it might even be one of the greatest in history, uh, my personal opinion. These individuals state verbatim, and I can't wait to hear exactly how they tell their story, uh, that they had every intention of going in there and saying things, um, praise pray, pray to the Lord, not doing things to this person for killing their family members all because of the basis of race um, or, you know, in this case, ethnicity. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the word race. And we can talk about that another day. But, yeah, he um, they all came in there. And instead of saying what they wanted to say, each and every one of them 
said that the spirit moved within them and the only thing that could come out of their mouth was an offering of forgiveness. An offering of forgiveness. One of them even goes to the point of um, of actually, you know, making an appeal to him so that he can make the decision to accept the Lord Jesus into his life. This is two days after this man had the audacity to take the lives of the people that they loved. That is mind-blowing stuff. You know what I'm saying? I first saw this on uh, ESPN, as a matter of fact. Um, they did a story about a dude named Chris Singleton. Chris Singleton was actually one of the sons of the people that got killed. Sharonda Coleman Singleton, I think her name was. And um, it was cool because he's a baseball player, and he was a, a big prospect at the time. He was getting looked at by a lot of different teams. As a matter of fact, two years later, he ended up being drafted to the Cubs. And um, he was the first one that I had a chance to witness because they'd done a story on him. And they actually ended up playing his part of the arraignment in the courthouse. And he he basically told them, and even in the news when he got interviewed, he told them, you know, I forgive this man because there's there's nothing in this that I can hold on to. There's no pain. There's no hurt. There's no hate. There's no anger. Um because it's not going to do anything good for me. So I need to let this go. And, you know, the first time I heard that, I was like, yo, that's that's crazy. That's dope. Um, like, you know, I pray that, you know, all the other families kind of had the same peace. We'll come to find out. Yeah. Because each and every one of them pretty much, maybe not the same exact thing, but said something similar. And all of them said, I forgive you. And that's crazy to me. It's absolutely wild. I don't know. Like, I, I pray to God I never have to go through anything like that with any of my family members. But think about it. Like, would you be one of those people? I mean, obviously, the spirit moves within you. If he, if he overwhelms you with with a sense of calm, a sense of peace, then maybe that's that's something to be considered. And, and that's something that I know I can't take into consideration because, like I said, I've never been through it. But, wow. Like, you know, I just, um, I I think about, what this kind of translates into in today's culture. And that kind of is, is my breaking point in, into the real conversation tonight. Um, because if you were to compare um, just the look of things from outside of the Bible as opposed to inside the Bible. And, and the first thing I can think of off the top of my head is, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. Love the fact that they're a representation in a movement. Don't agree with everything that they say, but I'm definitely all about um, part of, of of what they do and, and why they do it. And I think about, you know, their their face on the surface of events like, um, the one I really want to pull out here is uh, Michael Brown, Ferguson, Missouri. You know, uh, two different accounts, one from the officer, one from the friend of Michael Brown. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, he was an unarmed man. They say he had his hands up. He said, don't shoot. He shot him. And, you know, I don't even want to focus in on that part. Let's focus in on what happened after that. Let's focus in on what happened uh, when all was said and done. Uh, and the family of Michael Brown uh, got up. And to be honest with you, I, I think there was a bit of discord. There was some division in how they wanted to handle it. The mama wanted to handle it one way. The daddy wanted to handle it another way. Most people went with the daddy's thoughts and they ended up rioting all in the streets, doing all sorts of craziness, you know, and it it hurts my heart to see it that way. But 
then think about this though in comparison let's look at emmanuel mother emmanuel ame church in south carolina where this murderer opens up and kills these nine people um and instead of it causing a tear a fracture in the city what do you have instead uh, you have a city that came together the community got tighter everyone was closer Everyone depended on each other. Everyone leaned on each other. Everyone leaned on God. And why did it happen that way? Well, there's only one difference I can see between the two. If I'm comparing Ferguson and I'm comparing Emmanuel in South Carolina, the church. And not only that, a God-loving, God-fearing church. Um, a church that has deep roots in history, uh, not just as an African-American church, but as a church that was a part of the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King preached at that church. You know, it's amazing to see what the power of the church can do in a community when the enemy does everything he can to try and tear it in half. I mean, this is real deal stuff. It's crazy to me. Like, it was, it was a corporate change of heart on behalf of each and every person that came into that courtroom that wanted to say one thing and ended up saying another. And you couldn't argue with what happened, you know? So I don't want to spend too much time on that because I definitely want to come back to this a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I just had this one thought. Um, and this is where we get a little deep tonight. And, and I'm kind of excited and not all at the same time. I know I'm, I've, I've been saying some stuff recently that I think some folks got mad at me for. But, you know, this is, this is spirit moving because I had to be convicted of the same exact stuff. So I'm just kind of sharing what's on my heart. Um, and... In that, I will start by saying this, I guess. It was a corporate change of heart, which is funny because the same thing that was used to start this whole thing in the first place uh, was, was pretty much similar to this, this exact moment, except it really wasn't a miracle. Um, and instead of people having forgiveness, uh, there was absolute unforgiveness. It was an unforgiving moment, and there was complete disdain. Um, and if I'm giving you Bible tonight, and you know I am, uh, it's in Luke chapter 23, and I'm just going to read certain parts of it because I really want to get to the point um, and have this conversation. We'll start off with verse 1, Luke chapter 23, and this is when Jesus is going to trial before Pilate and ultimately when he's being crucified. Uh, so this is, you know, one of the worst scenes in the Bible, but obviously one of the best outcomes for which we're really, really grateful uh, but it says in verse one, then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. You're about to hear some of the ratchetest crap you ever heard in your entire life. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. Bruh, first of all, that's, that's, that's mistake number one. They done gone and lied on Jesus. How are you going to do that, man? How are you going to lie on Jesus? Anyway, moving on. Verse 4. Um, Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Verse 5. Then they became insistent. But he is causing riots. Riots? Yeah. These people suck. Sorry. My humanity gets in the way sometimes. But it's Forgiveness University. I forgive myself. Let's move on. Uh, causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Fast forward. Let's go to 
verse number 13. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders, along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. Verse 18. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd. And with one voice, they shouted, kill him. I don't even need to go any further than that. But let's pick it up. In verse 33, and this will finish it. When they came to a place called the skull, Golgotha, this is literally a place of death. They nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. 34, here we go. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. For they know not what they do. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. So let's just set the scene here, okay? First of all, we got Jesus. Obviously, he's already been captured. He's been taken into custody. Um, the people who really desire to have him put away, at best, uh, the Pharisees, finally get their way. And it's only because Jesus led them, by the way. Um, you know, just... That's for free. But they're lying on him. They are dismissive of his authority. They are calling for his earthly dismissal now. And this has nothing to do with dealing with any of their issues because all their issues are not going to be resolved by killing Jesus, which is funny because this computes into a lot of different stuff. Um, there are people in this world, I believe, that don't believe in Jesus. I believe that there are people in this world that believe in Jesus, but they got issues and they struggle. You know, and when they struggle, there's no doubt that they're putting the blame somewhere. And sometimes you can put that on a person because a person did something to you and you have to work through that. Uh, but what happens when it's not that? When What happens when it's just the facts of life? Like, where are you putting your, where are you putting your blame? You know, and the thing about it is, in this case, he's still there alive and in the flesh. They got issues. They're not getting answers. As a matter of fact, they're getting answers, but they're getting the answers they don't want to hear. Ooh. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Um, but yeah, they're getting answers that they don't want to hear. And so they're trying to shut up the one giving them the answers. And so, like I said, they're calling for his earthly dismissal. They're now saying, kill him. They are flat out saying, kill this man. And they are venomous. They are not backing down. There's an intensity about them that if they used it to actually be the Christians they were supposed to be, this would be a completely different story. But obviously that doesn't work with the narrative. But as I'm thinking about this, you know, number one, let's just go back to, to setting the scene with Emmanuel here. I feel like Emmanuel was, in a sense, one of Christ's truest examples lived out. You go back to that church, and again, you think about everything that they could have done everything that people could have said, um, the way that it ultimately could have played out. Um, but because it was the church and because it was a group of people who understood that, you know, things happen. Philippians 
what is it, chapter four, seven, uh, six and seven, one of my favorite verses, you know, be, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will clothe your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why on earth would we receive a peace of God that transcends all understanding if we weren't going to go through things that we don't understand? Point blank, plain and simple. Um, you know, right here in the seven, five, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a senseless shooting happen and killed 12 people and their families now have to deal with that. And there was no real explanation. Like they talked about it on the news. Like this dude was just walking around and it looked like he was just kind of pinpointing individuals and, and just taking them out. And, and there was no way that he could have known a good deal of them. But he worked there and it wasn't like he was fired. As a matter of fact, he had just put in a two weeks notice professionally by email. Like a lot of this is senseless. It makes no sense. There's no way that we can understand it. And so in order for these families to really get a sense of peace in this situation, they're going to have to tap into Christ. They got to tap into him because if not, this is, this is for loss because they are going to be searching for answers and they're never going to get them. Or if they do get them, it's not going to be for years and years. Maybe something comes out. Maybe a family member of the, of the shooter steps forward and says something. But if I'm looking at this, it's amazing to see exactly how that was lived out because it addresses so many different things for me. Number one, you know, we can go back to the, the understanding of what Jesus was doing specifically. We know why he did it. He did it so that he could subject himself to taking on all of our sins, putting them on that cross and then putting them in the earth because he knew that none of us could do it. None of us could do it back then. Surely can't do it now. Um, so, you know, I'm appreciative of that. And then you think about, in, a, in, in addition to that, the way that he did it, you know, let's go and let's look at it this way. You know, it, he says in Matthew five forty four, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good for those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Ouch. Like, no, no, Jesus. And no, this is a Sermon on the Mount. This is him telling us a, a really good way for us to live our lives. And because he's Jesus, again, we probably should pay a lot of attention to that. Um, and it's not that it's anything super deep. At the end of the day, he was giving us some really basic tips, really basic information. It's profound, but it's basic. You know, so um, I don't know. A lot I want to touch on, but I really just want to make sure I stick to my points. Um, there's another one in, in, in his prayer. You know, as a matter of fact, this is a bit of, it's prophetic. You know, when he says, Father, forgive them, you know, that word of prophecy, believe it or not, uh, was fulfilled in Isaiah 53 and 12, where it says he made intercession for the transgressors. So he knew this was coming. Like he gets an idea, he gets an understanding of who he is as he continues to develop himself and envelop himself in his understanding of what it meant to be fully God and fully man. And at the same time, he provides us with an example that is necessary for us to walk out because he knew when we got on this earth, there were going to be some things that we endured. And the only way that we're going to get through them is to pretty much be the exact opposite of what was going to be presented to us. And what do I mean by that? Um, if anything, if I'm giving you a main point tonight, it's this. Forgiveness is radical. Forgiveness is extreme. Um, forgiveness is pretty much almost like 
the opposite of terrorism in a sense. You know, forgiveness is uncommon. Forgiveness is something that if you look at how we live our lives in, in our culture, our society today, the way that we have our laws set up, um, it is Chris Elliott. Yes, sir. Word. You cannot intercede for others while looking out for ourselves. You are absolutely correct, sir. Shout out to Chris Elliott on Facebook Live, one of our pastors at Wave, one of the amazing people in my life that continues to watch over me so I don't lose my mind. Um, I love and appreciate you, sir. Uh, but yeah, like forgiveness is radicalism. It is extremism. It is something that our culture would suggest we do not do because it lets guards down and it leaves us susceptible to God knows what in his lifetime. And why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you not set yourself up with the ultimate defense? Why would you not be prepared with an excellent offense? Why would you not go for the jugular so that, so that you can make sure nobody else goes for yours? It just doesn't make sense. It is the antithesis of everything that we would think we'd need to do to prepare to simply get up out of bed in the morning and live our daily lives. Because people are gritty. People are grimy. They are, like I said, the venomous, yo. These people that came for Jesus, they were absolutely venomous. They wanted to see nothing more in the end than watching him hang on that cross and die. Remember, there's a dude in there named Barabbas, too, that they literally let go, and he's one who actually was responsible for a real riot and also for murder. They let this cat ride, all because they wanted to see Jesus die. Nobody wants to hear that. But face facts, that's exactly what we're looking at. And I know I'm sorry because I know I ain't really, really funny tonight. Not enough sarcasm, I'm pretty sure. I know I'm an asinine individual, but this is some serious stuff. And we need to approach this this way because if we're taking a look at and we're dealing with a substance that is so necessary to the faith, it could it, you have no choice but to, to agree, in a sense, if nothing else, that of course there'd be you know, a culture, a society that, that says that we need to do the exact opposite. Take us out. Because that's what the world does. It's not always against God, but guess what? More often than not, it's against God. Point blank. So anyway, I need to keep moving. Um, this is the thing that stands out to me the most. When we're looking at Luke chapter 23, and then specifically this verse, verse 34. Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Let's, let's break that down to this one part specifically. He says, forgive them. Never does he turn to them and say, I forgive you. What am I getting at? Yeah, he showed us that when it comes to forgiveness, the other person doesn't even need to be involved. Whoa, <laughs> I'm about to get in trouble. I really don't care though. So what does this mean? It means a few things to me. Number one, it means uh, you may never hear I'm sorry and that doesn't matter. Or I'm sorry, if, if I can be positive, let me say this. It's, it's okay. It's okay if you legitimately don't hear I'm sorry or please forgive me. Because at the end of the day, Jesus never heard it. I can guarantee you that. All he heard was crucify them or crucify him. Sorry. How about this? The world will not understand why you decide to do it. Remember that 
Emmanuel, and as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they talk about this in, in, in the movie that's coming out next week. Emmanuel, yo, those people caught backlash for coming into that courthouse and saying, I forgive you to this person who had just killed their family members, their friends. They caught backlash for that, man. Like, who who's going to come at you for saying, I forgive you to somebody? Like, they were just like, yo, what are you going to do? You're going to come in there with a gun? You're going to shoot them? Be like, yeah, okay. Now we're even. Yeah, no, that's that's not how that's supposed to work. There's a big difference between forgiveness and justice and forgiveness and vengeance. Forgiveness and justice can go hand in hand. It can. This situation itself actually shows that specifically because these guys forgive him. They are literally in the act of forgiving him while he's being arraigned, while he is being tried, while he has now been convicted, and he sits on death row. And here's the funny part about that. Even as he sits on death row, they are asking to be able to visit this man so that they can continue to talk to him. You know what I'm saying? And continue to tell him that they forgive him. And then on top of that, you know, probably still inviting him to accept the Lord into his life. That is power. Power. On the other hand, there's there's vengeance. And, you know, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Which means basically, let me take it out of your hands because whatever you do is not going to be a good idea anyway. Like, it's not going to be a good look. And I think, who was it? Timothy Keller who's actually going to be in this film, I think if I'm right, says that when we do that, when we take it in our own hands, guess what? We're just as evil as they are. We are just as evil as the individual who did whatever to us. And so it would behoove us to fight against our own will, to fight against everything that we know about the situation in our flesh, tap into our soul and access our spirit and say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And to be honest with you, I think that's why South Carolina ended up the way that it did. Another thing is, and this I think is the biggest piece, um, especially for all of us, because at the Inspired One, like I said, we're inspired to inspire. That's what the Inspired One does. In order to tap into your inspirations and to move forward, you must be able to focus. You must be able to concentrate. And so when you actually access this type of forgiveness, you are free to accomplish what you set your sights on. And check this out from a Jesus standpoint. You're free to set or you're free to accomplish what you set your sights on, even if it kills you. Ooh. And I think for us, I I don't think that actually means that we die. I don't think it works that way. Like, I think it's almost like it's like the understanding of baptism. You come into a relationship with Jesus. You come to believe um, everything that he says and he is in your life. And then, you know, in the Bible, the minute that you become a believer, they tell you, you know, what must, what, what must we do? You know, they asked that to Peter after he pre- preached the first speech in the book of Acts. And he said two things. Number one, he said, repent. Second thing he said was to be baptized. Um, and that baptism is a symbolic acknowledgement that you are dying to yourself. You're dying to your flesh and you're being born again in spirit, you know. And so if we're looking at it that way, then I, I, I think that what I'm saying right now probably makes a decent amount of sense, even if it kills you. You must kill off your flesh in order to access your spirit. And when you are able to forgive people, shout out to my homegirl Giselle, who just walked through the camera. I love her though. She's the homie. Um, Stop laughing, Mike. Messing with my point. Let me get back. Anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, you're free to accomplish. You're free to accomplish because you understand just like Jesus who had his face set like flint for the cross which is difficult to deal with in itself because he knew 
what was coming with that, which is why he was able to say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, that when you kill off yourself, you're not really dying. You're actually accessing just like Jesus did. Cause you know, he killed off the fleshy part of himself and then he rose on the third day. And then finally he ascended into heaven and he had regained probably more than what he had initially, but he regained everything that he already had. Remember, he is a king. He is a ruler. You know what I'm saying? Cattle on a thousand hills. This man has it all, yo. Like, think about how many steaks you can make with that. I'm getting hungry as I say that. Lord, forgive me. Um, but yeah, he accesses all of that after he decides to make the decision to commit to the process that he needed to commit to. And that's what he does. We human beings do not do the same thing. We get in our feelings about stuff. We start feeling some kind of way about stuff. And we never give ourselves the opportunity to focus and fight through. Instead, we just want to kind of polarize the situation. And we look directly at it instead of looking at God. And then we're trying to address it instead of addressing God. Remember what I said last week? You know what I'm saying? Some of us get so bent out of shape that we actually uh, create a sense of idolatry for ourselves where we become the idol and we seek to be worshipped by other people's apologies. And that's one of the most real deal things I think I've, I've ever thought in my entire life. It shut me up real quick when it came to forgiving people because I had some people I needed to forgive. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if, if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap up. I feel like what this reveals is, and I know I'm sounding like a broken record, forgiveness is, I'm just going to say this, not one of, I feel like when it comes to us continuing in our faith, forgiveness is the hardest thing to do because it is also the most powerful tool that we have to be victorious in any battle. Bottom line, I will put money on it because I guarantee you if we have any hangups, self-forgiveness, forgiveness of other people, being concerned about what other people would think about our choice to forgive, if we have any hangups, they keep us from being able to focus on what we need to focus on. And then we cannot achieve what God desires for us to achieve. And believe me, you don't want that because in the end, that's going to establish a conversation that you're going to have when you get to heaven. It's called judgment, called being at the judgment seat of Christ. And if you're a believer, you're already in, so you don't have to worry about that part. But Remember that you are also saved by grace for good works. That's what the Bible says. And so if you've been so busy focusing on your bitterness and unforgiveness that you haven't been focusing on what you need to work on, you know, you have to give an account when you get up there. And, you know, God's going to ask you a question. Yo, what did you do down here when I was expecting you to do this? And you'd be like, hey, you know, God, I um, was feeling kind of bad that day because so-and-so, you know, scuffed my puma or, you know, just... I just, I just, I just wasn't feeling it that day, you know, and I'm sure there's some grace, but at the end of the day though, like how many people really want to give that explanation for why you didn't do something God asked you to do? It's going to get a little bit awkward. Just a thought. Um, as I bring this to a close, man, I think that this is technically the end of forgiveness university. Uh, so I don't really have like a closed out thing per se, but you know, I want to encourage you if you didn't have a chance, please go listen to the other ones. Um, and, and let's have a conversation. Like I might open this up for a real live chat one day. Not sure. Uh, this is all new to me. This is real grassroots stuff. I honestly have no clue what I'm doing. I'm just trusting God. Uh, but <clears throat> I know that next week, um, we should be having an interview. 
I'll be breaking that down for you guys throughout the week. Who's going to come in, what we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, but yeah, seriously, you get a chance to just go over this stuff. I know I ain't nobody. I'm really praying that the Lord is just using me to do this, you know, for people and, and let it do whatever it's supposed to do. Uh, and in the process, though, um, I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, that, you know, the encouragement for anybody, anybody, uh, is just give yourself the opportunity to let go of whatever is hindering you, whatever is holding you down, whatever, and who did what to you, I don't care. Give yourself the opportunity to let it go. That is ultimately what Forgiveness University is all about. Forgiveness is the most powerful tool. <laughs> Giselle's watching. That's my homie. I really do love her. Um, but yeah, give yourself that opportunity because you know, three, four, five years from now, I would love to sit up here and, you know, I know most of y'all already anyway, I would love to have a conversation with you and you just tell me, yo, you know what? I'm really glad that you let God use you because that's really, again, what this is. Um, because I really didn't want to let go of this, but I did. And the minute that I did, dot, dot, dot. Like, y'all want to see me up here crying like a little witch? That's how that's probably going to happen. Um, but yeah, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you are willing to do that. I'm praying that I'm willing to do that because, you know, I'm saying this, but I still got hangups myself. We all do. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, just, just excited to see what God's going to do in this and uh, looking forward to next week. Guys, please tune in again, be a part of the contest. Uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, to the podcast on whatever major platform you got. And also please leave me those five stars and a very generous review um, because that's appreciated as well. Thank you for rocking with me. Please continue to do so. Uh, have an excellent rest of your week, and hopefully um, I will catch you back here again next week. Same time, same channel. Uh, one love to you, and brown out. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, listen, no just-in-case SMH review today. Uh, we're pretty cool on that, uh, but I did want to send an invite out. If you are in the 757 and really interested in going to see the Emmanuel movie, uh, which is out across the nation on Monday and also showings on Wednesday at 7 p.m., uh, again, I want to invite you to come out. We are actually going to be watching it at the Lynn Haven AMC over in Virginia Beach. Uh, the showtime again is at 7. I think the cost is about 13 and some change. You can actually get your tickets online if you just go to theemmanuelmovie.com. Um, and in there, if you look for the locations, I think you can just pull it up and get your ticket that way. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be out there on Monday. We're going to be out there at seven. Um, and we'd really love to see you. If you want to, you can email me. Honestly, you know, just, just show up. I'm sure we'd be glad to see you either way. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really hope that everyone has a chance to see this movie. Um, I believe it'll be very, very impactful. And I think it'll bless you. And if nothing else, give you wisdom and perspective. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much all I got. The invite is out. Hope to see you there. Other than that, uh, please take advantage. Right now, it's Saturday, and it's a beautiful day. I'm going to go hang out. Or actually, uh, as the national uh, Negro tradition goes, on Saturdays, you're going to get a haircut. And, you know, your barber probably has like 30 people because everybody wants to go on Saturday. That, that just seems to be the will of God. I don't know why, but it is. So, yeah, you guys enjoy yourselves. And I will hopefully see you on Monday or if not. Look forward to rocking with you again uh, next week on another new podcast. Looking forward to it. Uh, thank you once again. I can't thank you guys enough for making me what will be.
one of the best podcasts in the world. And that being said, I'm about to go sit in a barbershop for about 30 hours. Yep, fun times. Anyway, uh, one love to you and your crew and continue to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. And I'll rock with you next week. Take it easy.